Blog Talk Radio. Extravaganza Sports Tonight, like the Walker Mart Legends from the Jersey Shore slash Sarasota, Florida, Mr. Don Henderson, up in Hotlanta, Mr. Roger Handler, and down here in Tampa Bay, Mr. Roy Cummings, and God behind this whole 
mastermind thing on a Wednesday night, Frank Carroll. Gentlemen, good evening, and welcome to another Wednesday. Well, good to hear you, Tommy. Good to hear you back, and uh, we got a lot to talk about tonight, so get us started. Well, Roy, you know, I, you know, what about the play of the Tampa Bay Lightning right now? I mean, they're, they're getting eight, eight, you got in a nice little wing streak right now. They're getting points where it's where it's needed right now. They're moving up the up the ladder. Yeah, they seem to have found their game. I think uh, you know a little uh, little difficulty out of the out of the gate here. Um, maybe a little bit of hangover from the Stanley Cup uh, championship. You you could expect that. I mean, obviously it's a it's a very short uh, time off period for them. Very short off season, and it takes a while to kind of uh, get your legs back and things like that. So um, you know, it looks a little rough early on, but uh, they played much better and um, of late. And they're they're in a very very difficult division. I mean, uh, obviously Florida could be one of the elite teams in the league. I mean, they've certainly started off very strong. Carolina, we're talking about two teams who were basically were undefeated through the first nine or so, and um, they've lost a couple since. But uh, those two teams are very strong. Uh, Toronto is finding its legs just uh, as Tampa is. So uh, it's going to be a real interesting uh, race. And I, I, I think the Lightning have learned that. Uh, the, the, the regular season is, is very important. Um, positioning is important. But uh, all you really have to do is make sure you get into the tournament uh, because so much can happen once you do. And uh, right now they're playing very well. And, again, you know, they're doing it without Nikita Kucherov. They're beat up a little bit. Uh, obviously, uh, Anthony Sorelli is, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's not going to be uh, 100% uh, for a while here. But, um but he's a gamer, so uh, right now they look pretty good. And big game coming—not uh, a big game, but an interesting game coming up for them tomorrow against the uh, against the Flyers. Roy, well, I would think a little bit of concern. Uh, obviously, uh, their power play has been hurt a little bit by injury, but uh, they struggled a little bit on the power play. I think that's of concern too, right? Yeah. Well, look, everybody knows where the puck's going, especially with Kucherov out. Uh, you know where the puck's going. It's going over to that left-wing dot and for, for a one-timer for uh, Steven Stamkos. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that is, uh, it's pretty hard to defend that. But they know now, teams know now, that that is exactly what the plan is. And there's, there are ways to defend it, number one. Uh, you obviously try to cheat over to that side a little bit. The goalie's certainly going to cheat to that side a little bit. Um, the other thing is, you know, I, I'm not sure that uh, right now their they're, they're power play quarterback, Victor Hedman, is, is at his best. If, if I'm going to say one guy hasn't played to the level he's capable of just yet, it's probably Victor Hedman. Um, he's had a couple of rough outings, uh, cost him a couple of points uh, in some games in overtime. Um, hasn't been as sharp. So uh, th- and that's something that's coming along again. A lot of adjustments there with new guys, Corey Perry uh, working the, with the second unit. But, you know, uh, Braden Point still there. Uh, they're trying to work him in that bumper spot a little bit more, uh, see if, you know, see how he works there. So, uh, you know, and, but, the, hey, this is the time to experiment and see what you can do, uh, you know, with different uh, groupings. So, um, you're right. It, it's a bit, of a, a bit of an issue for him right now, but not, uh, not so much that you're really concerned and start uh, blowing the whole thing up and, and starting over. Roger. Well, Roy, you were talking about the uh, Lightning playing the Flyers tomorrow night. 
Flyers had a big win last night against the Flames, two to one. And uh, it appears that Carter Hart is back after the down year he had last year. But, you know, he wasn't the only one that uh, was affected uh, by the uh, COVID situation. So I don't know whether you've seen the Flyers or not, but uh, when you have a top-notch goalie, uh, it really uh, puts you in pretty good shape, I would say, uh, for the season. Yeah, I have seen uh, some of the Flyers, and uh, you're right, Carter Hart looks uh, a lot better this year than he did a year ago. And you know, part of that, let's not let's not forget, a big part of that is the fact that uh, you've got better defense. You know, the picking up line was really important for them. Yeah, and they're playing a little bit more defensive-oriented. Interesting how you see a little bit more of Claude Giroux on the third line now um, for the Flyers, which, I mean, this is, this is Claude Giroux's team. That's your first-line center usually, but you're seeing him a little bit more on the third line. I'm not so sure that they've given him that defensive role just yet. I mean, you don't want to give it to him completely, but, you know, you do have to defend your end. And uh, when you don't have a whole bunch of snipers, um, sometimes it's better to play a little bit more defensive-oriented, and I think maybe that's what they're thinking here is uh, working Claude Giroux with that third unit a little bit more um, and, and just trying to change things up on the top two lines to get a little bit more uh, goal scoring out of those guys. So taking advantage of Claude Giroux's ability to win face-offs, which is extremely good at. you got another good face-off guy in Sean Couturier to take that first-line group. Um, I, I think that could help them. It, it'll be interesting to see tomorrow how they play against Tampa. Um, what line do they put out there against uh, Tampa's best line? You know, they try to match up in any way. Uh, again, I, I, I think they feel much better about themselves defensively overall um, because of some of the additions and changes that they made um, over the over the off season. Tommy, yeah, that's that's the thing about that is I mean the Flyers are they, you know like you, you know, Flyers. Had a off year last year, but look at the Panthers, Roy. My God, who who figured that start right now? And also Carolina right now for for the two starts up there. But as we all know, this it's a it's a horse race down the stretch. This is only the fourth quarter of the of the race, and you know I think the way the Lightning stand right now, I mean there could be still a team to be reckoned with in April and May right now. But getting back to the Bucks, oh boy, that was. Embarrassing loss to Washington, but as Bert Bell would say, the late Bert Bell would say, any given Sunday. Yeah, you're right, Tommy. Before we get back into that, I'll just finish up to talk about the lighting. You mentioned the playoffs, and you're right. Um, look, Florida looks good. Carolina looks good. But Tampa is the, the perfect example right now. And so many NHL teams now uh, are kind of using Tampa from two years ago as an example of where they are. Toronto is looking at it that way. Colorado, Edmonton. Uh, so many teams are looking, Florida is looking at it saying, hey, you can be really good in the regular season. If you get knocked out in the first round or even the second round, uh, it doesn't say much about what you did in the regular season. So it's all about uh, showing up in April as the Lightning have done the last two years for sure. Um, you know, even the Islanders, there's another team that looks great right up until the time they take on the Lightning. So uh, you're right, Florida, Carolina looking good, but right now, uh, you have to reckon with the champs, no doubt about it, because they know how to get past that first round now. And, uh, yes, they do. Some other teams still trying to figure that out. But on to the Bucks. yeah, I'll tell you what. I'm surprised we didn't come out of the gate with that one, but um, son of a gun. That team, you could, you could, you could have, make an argument that there's some concerns there, some legitimate 
concerns. Look, uh, Richard Sherman's not. Yeah, well, okay, you're right. Yeah, I mean, Richard Sherman's not coming back anytime soon. The secondary remains extremely, extremely vulnerable, uh, not just because of injuries, but even with, with their top group out there, you can still pass on this team. The pass rush has been absent for a couple of games now. Um, they're dropping the ball. They're playing sloppy. They're certainly not, uh, you know, uh, winning, you know, getting the job done in terms of penalties. They spent an, an entire bye week working on pre-snap penalties, trying to eliminate those. Couldn't do it against a, a much lesser team in Washington and ended up paying, a, paying for it with a game. So um, a big game coming up for them this week. Doesn't matter who they're playing. It's a big game to see how can they bounce back. You know, how are they going to look? I'd be a little bit concerned because no Vita Vea. And the other issue is Jason Pierre-Paul doesn't look right to me, guys. Uh, he's got a, a, a torn rotator cuff, and I think it's really affecting him. He, he said here locally uh, last week that he's having trouble sleeping well at night because of this torn rotator cuff. He never thought this would be the issue that it's become for him, and uh, he's, he's a little bit concerned about it. And I'll tell you what, for me at least, it looked like it showed up on the field on Sunday. Roy, you said that was the worst injury that he has sustained his entire uh, National Football League career. He didn't think in the beginning it was going to be that difficult, but as you indicated, he's really talked about it the last eight to ten days about how much it really has affected this game. Roger? Well, I I would agree with that because uh, when you're a pass rusher uh, like he is and uh, if you have a torn, torn rotator cuff, you're not going to be able to move that uh, arm around uh, very well. But I'll tell you what, when he blew his hand off that time with fireworks, I would think that would be even more serious than the rotator cuff. You would think, you would really think right. Roger, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you don't necessarily need your fingers as you need that arm to make the swim move, uh, to fight off. Uh, I mean, you lose strength. They put a club on him when he eventually came back. Don't forget, let's not forget, he came back, what, almost a year later. Uh, so everything right. was healed. He figured out a way to work with the club, to practice with that. You just don't really have that hand to disengage. But there's other ways to do it. You know, you can move a guy with your forearm or your arm. Now you've lost that strength. So um, you're right. It, it's, this is, I, you would think that losing a couple of fingers uh, on your hand would, would be more devastating, and, and probably in everyday life it is. But uh, if you're trying to play football, uh, you're right. I, it, it, losing that, uh, the, the use of that arm, that shoulder, uh, to make some of the moves that you have to make that are required to get past a, a darn good uh, left tackle, uh, that's going to be more devastating, I think. And uh, it, it's certainly showing up. Um, and, you know, when he's missing and he's not playing at the level he is, it affects everybody down the line. All of a sudden, Ndamuk and Sue's not as good. Shaq Barrett's not as good. We saw Anthony Nelson show up a little bit the other day, but, uh, you know, it'll take a couple of, you know, uh, some tape work and uh, some film room study, and guys will figure out how to stop him as well. So uh, the Bucks have an issue here because you can't keep blitzing all the time. I mean, you can this team blitzes a lot, um, but they were getting caught in those blitzes last week, and uh, it could happen again against better teams. Well, also, uh, Brady's having a little bump in the road a couple of times now. You're, he is a – he has not played as consistently over the last three weeks as you'd like to have seen him play, and I think that's got to be a little bit concerned too. Yeah, Don, I'm, I am concerned, and here's why. Even with Tom Brady, and this is a surprise that I'm even saying this, I'm not seeing the sense of urgency with this football team. It's like everybody's not quite 
dialed in as well as they need to be, including Tom Brady. Uh, you know, he's thrown a couple of passes here and there over the last couple of two, three games that you kind of say, you shake your head and go, what? That, I mean, right. you, you know, Frank texted me, you know, was that was that Janice Brady or, or something else? And I said, it looked more like James Winston mm-hmm. to me. And, you know, I mean, he's had a couple of James Winston-like moments, which you don't, you just don't expect that out of Tom Brady. And I think him, along with everybody else on this team, might be just a little bit, you know, uh, they might be lacking just a little bit of the intensity they need. It might be a little bit of uh, going out there thinking, hey, we can just throw our helmets out there and we're going to win no matter what. And uh, they've got a wake-up call here in the last couple of games, that's for sure, because they're realizing that uh, everybody's going to give them their best game. So they've got to go out there and give, the, give, every, give back their best game. Prime time this week. Roger, you're up. Yep. Well, you know, talking about uh, prime time tomorrow night, uh, it'll be the Pats versus the Falcons. And uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how the Patriots do because I uh, was a, a big supporter from the very beginning of Mac Jones. And uh, I, I want to tell you, I mean, I think he has done, of course, he probably has more to work with than some of these other uh, rookie quarterbacks, but he's uh, just fit in very well. And uh, the Patriots are to be content or really you got to look at them for, Uh, the future going into the playoffs, but they really haven't played a top-notch team, which they will be uh, playing in the next uh, several weeks. Not that the Falcons are, but at least they're uh, what four and five. Uh, But I think it'll, uh, it'll be interesting. I was wondering what you fellows uh, think about uh, the uh, return of the Pats. Roy, we'll let you get first. Yeah, I, I'm with you right there, Roger. I agree. I think that, uh, you know, it's taken a little bit of time, but it seems like Mac Jones is starting to figure things out. Uh, you know, he's got a darn good offensive coordinator and head coach working with him. He's got a pretty good team around him. Pretty good, not great, um, but pretty good. And uh, it seems to me like they're developing some confidence and starting to get to the point where they've probably figured out what Mac Jones likes the best, what he works best, what uh, what's you know what plays he likes, what – you know they're start, they've got they probably got a good package of go to plays now for him so um, that helps they're coming off a big victory uh, you know very uh, you know uh, commanding victory really and and I think that's going to give them a lot of confidence going up against a team that um, has every reason to be confident themselves I mean Falcons uh, have played pretty well at times this year and uh, a veteran quarterback who seems to be feeling it again and uh, and Matt Ryan. So, I, look, I think it's going to be a very interesting game, and you're right. I think the pa- Patriots are a team to be reckoned with a little bit here uh, in, in the second half of the season because you're right, uh, the, the tougher part of the schedule is coming up, but uh, they seem to be uh, getting uh, finding their groove when they really need to. Tommy? Well, I think that, that, that's a great that's a great point, but problems in Cleveland, Baker Mayfield, he's, if he's a real deal, what's going on? That's the – problems in, in Cleveland right now, but but but, but then but then again, look about the Eagles game. They go into Denver and beat Denver, you know, thirty to thirteen. So once again, Roy, the, NFC, the NFC East and also the NFC divisions up for up for uh, you know for the wild cards right now. Who's going to get in there? Who's not going to get in there? I know it's a it's a halfway point right now. Then you start jockeying for positions right now. Who's what's going to be happening here? Who's about the box, this and that. Yeah, the Saints could catch the box. A lot of 
This is the best time to watch football right now. A lot of divisions right now, except for, except for the Jets and the Lions. They're, I think they mailed it in already. Well, going back to Roger's point for a second, uh, I think the one thing you have to look to, uh, not only has the Patriots improved, and not only has their quarterback not necessarily been a surprise, because even through early practices they were talking about how he's going to develop, develop, and develop. They thought that he made a steal, Belichick made a steal, and getting Jones in that 15th pick. But I think more importantly is Belichick himself. If you look at his record, he gets better the second half of the season than he does the first half of the season. This year he's working with a lot of new people. So, Roy, I, I would sort of agree with you and Roger. I think this is a big game, and this is going to tell the story as to whether Belichick has really made a giant move here. Yeah, it's really a good it, – it, it's, a, it's a real good test of where they are. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad it's on uh, national TV because I think both teams are kind of at that – crossroads in the season where which way are they going to go um are they going to you know they're going to find their way here and 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 be a contender uh, or are they going to are they going to struggle down the stretch and uh you know i think this game could could sort of decide that you know how one game can can really uh you know determine your position and 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 your path going forward this is one of those games and um look i think both teams have figured out uh what they can do with their offenses by now. And I think they realize where their weaknesses are on defense. They both have them. Um, but I think they realize that uh, they, they've, they've got, they, they've got a chance here to do something to make some noise in the second half. Roger. You know, what's interesting. Yeah. You know, what's interesting uh, guys is that uh, the uh, situation with home field advantage or lack of anymore the Eagles don't have any of their uh, four wins. None of them were at home. Uh, the Falcons, I can tell you uh, the history since they made the move to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I mean, Matt Ryan used to have a real home advantage. He has no home advantage in the new stadium. How and about I've the heard 49ers, that, Roger? Exactly. 49ers finally won a home game finally. in quite a while. Yeah, and that's the that's the point, Don. That if you look around the league, it's just about everybody. Uh, I guess you know maybe Roy, Don, Tommy, Frank. It's parody. That's all I can say. That's it. Well, I think parody's part of it, but at the, the for a team like the Eagles, for example, and I know I know this was the case with the Bucks for years as well. Playing at home, you know, it, it should be an advantage, right? But if you're a team yes. that's struggling. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily that home field advantage doesn't necessarily help you because the fans are on you um, and you don't want to hear that. The first mistake, they're booing you out of the stadium. Uh, you know, it can be tough. You play a lot. Teams, teams that struggle, teams that are kind of at the bottom, you know, the second half, in, in the bottom half of their division or whatever, teams like the Eagles, the way the Bucks used to be. Um, these teams – they tend to struggle at home sometimes because expectations are high, whereas on the road they play a little bit looser. They know that it's like, hey, we're kind of playing with house money a little bit here. And when that happens, uh, you see what you've seen with the Eagles. I think the Eagles are a perfect example right now of a team that is much better off on the road because they're just a little bit looser and there's just a little bit more opportunity for them to kind of find themselves on the road, work some things out throughout the course of the game, without the pressures of the fans, you know, pouring down on them. Uh, because let's face it, guys, look, these guys are human. It's not easy to block that stuff out. When it's coming down on you hard, 
uh, it can be tough, and it can, it can affect the way you play and affect the, the way you make decisions, uh, you know, the play calls, things like that. Uh, some things that you might not try at home, you might try on the road against the team, even if I think it's a, a better team, because you think, hey, what the hell, what have we got to lose? We're not expected to win this thing anyway. So you go out and play a little bit looser, you try some things, and sometimes it works out in your favor. That's what's happened with Philadelphia. Fellas, before we run out of time, we can come back to football for a second, but I just want to put some kudos on Kevin Cash. Second consecutive year now he's been uh, named the manager of the year. <laughs> I know you're a good friend. Uh, Mr. Kapler's uh, got it in the Americans <laughs> with the Giants. <laughs> I know that's going to make you happy, Roger, but I'll tell oh, you, yeah, I've got to tell yeah. you, I, I, I think Kevin Cash has done more with less and almost any manager I can think of, maybe in my whole time of watching baseball. I mean, he's great. He's had great administrative help at the top. Great. Uh, they made some very solid trades here and there. But I want to tell you, uh, Roy, Roger, Tommy, I, I just can't look back on a manager and say, this guy's really done something very positive. He really has. And, guys, we, we'll see here in the next month or so uh, how it affects the bigger picture across Major League Baseball, but you got a whole new collective bargaining agreement coming up, and you've got, you know, the, uh, yeah. And Scott Boris was quoted this week as, you know, he's basically asked, well, how many teams do you think are are really trying to win right now? And he said about 17 at the most. So you're talking about a dozen teams or more that, uh, you know, the, the belief is that they're tanking and they're giving up. Well, they may not be tanking, but maybe they're starting to think, well, something's going on down in Tampa. And it's not just Kevin Cash. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Kevin Cash because you're absolutely right, Don. This guy, he has certainly earned both of these. I mean, back-to-back, you know, he's got teams that have been decimated by his ownership group. He's somehow managed to put this thing together. He's doing unique things with the pitching staff, uh, you know, with matchups, the whole bit. And um, he has clearly managed at at an extremely high level, and and he's earned everything. But at the end of the day, you can't help but look at teams like the Rays. And, and ask, what are they doing? If, if you're a team like the Yankees or the Red Sox and, or the Dodgers and you haven't won any more, well, you've won one more World Series uh, than the Rays, but you've, uh, you know, you've only gotten to one, one more. You haven't gotten any more than they have. And you, know, you say to yourself, what are they doing? What, what, what's going on? How are they doing it? I think teams are starting to look at that more closely as a result of what Kevin Cash has done and saying, hey, there's ways to win without spending $200 million on payroll. Now, we've got to pay a certain amount, but at the end of the day, we don't necessarily have to pay $200 million to win a pennant and, 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 and get to the World Series. We can do it and another the Dodgers, way. The Dodgers are up at $260 million now, and the Yankees, yeah. it uh, looks like Cashman's gotten the okay now to, to go out uh, on the market right now if, if they could do it before the uh, first of the year, before the first of the month, I mean. Uh, he's gotten the uh, open checkbook to go over the, you know, the, the 220, which most people think they may lower to 180 next year. But uh, they're spending money. Yeah, and 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 for the the last two years at least, in the, in terms of the regular season and where they've gone in the playoffs, how much further have they really gone than the Rays? Not much. So no. 270 no. million versus about 70 million, and you can say right. to yourself, okay, I think there's money to be saved here if we're just a little bit smarter about the way we're spending it and the way we uh, utilize the roster that we have and the, uh, you know, the depth that we have uh, down into AAA. So I don't know. I think we'll, we'll see if anybody else picks up on it. 
Uh, I think there's a couple of teams, certainly the Cubs and Reds seem to be thinking about this kind of thing, uh, talking about going after lesser uh, named players in free agency, going after some of these B and C level guys as opposed to the A level guys. And we'll see how many other teams uh, pick up on it. But um, I think Kevin Cash is uh, the tip of the iceberg on what could be a little bit of a change in the way major league teams uh, try to build their rosters. Roger. Well, I can, I can tell you one thing, Roy, I, I agree. uh, uh, Don, Roy, Tommy, Frank, definitely about cash. I don't agree with Kabler. Now that vote may have been taken before the uh, playoffs, but Brian Snicker uh, should be the uh, NL manager of the year. Okay. Or manager of the year period. When you're winning a World Series. Huh? He finished second. Well, he should have finished first because uh, Kabler won a lot of games, but he got knocked out in the playoffs by the Dodgers, and and Snicker won the World Series. And look at the way that lineup was devastated with injuries and other issues. And and the general managers to be congratulated for the the players that uh, he picked up. But there's no way a guy that wins a World Series with what Snicker went through uh, should not be manager of the year over uh, Kabler, in my opinion. Well, I see your point there, uh, uh, Roger. You're right, and, and I don't disagree, but the, those that vote is taken prior to the playoffs. It's basically about right. the regular season, and, yeah, and so let, let's face it. Yeah. Well, the Giants, the Giants were in first place for a, a big stretch of time, and they made it to the playoffs with a roster that nobody thought was going to do anything. Again, the kind of the Rays way a little bit. Uh, they're, uh, you know, making the best use you can of a ride. And they were beaten up, too. Let's not forget about that. Um, now, granted, Atlanta was beaten up as well. Um, but Atlanta was also, in what, last place or uh, below 500 on August 1st. So, d- difficult, uh, you know, but uh, look, I see your point. Uh, I, I, I kind of, I can see both sides of the of that argument. Uh, Kapler, I think, was deserving, but certainly Snitker is uh, deserving as well. Well, I also think that uh, Roger's point is well taken, but uh, they don't include the playoffs in the World Series. I mean, the decision is made based on the 162 games. And because a guy comes, like Hitler did, and and wins the World Series, you can't base the whole season on what happened, you know, in in the last 16, 17 games. But going back to your point a little bit earlier, Roy, I don't know whether you happen to notice it or not, but the Cubs, after they devastated their ball club, their attendance went down to less than 20,000 a game. And if uh, if they don't do something uh, over the winter, and it doesn't look like they're going to do too much right now, uh, they're going to have a very difficult time keeping that wonderful record at Wrigley Field. No, you're right. I did notice it, certainly. I mean, I watched every game, and uh, there, i, I got to be honest, guys. There was a time there shortly after they uh, – they broke up that core of their championship team when uh, it was a very it was hard to watch that team play. There was really uh, there were there were times when I mean you had you literally had to be a diehard like I am uh, to watch it. And uh, you know I'm just watching. I certainly wasn't uh, paying money to go see it. And the prices that uh, they're charging at Wrigley Field are uh, quite you know quite high. So I could see why people would turn their back on it. And um, you know it got interesting at the end because they had a couple of rookies that. Um, that made it interesting. Uh, but, uh, yeah, going forward, look, they're going to have to try to figure something out to get some fans back. And uh, uh, the media's on them quite a bit in Chicago right now. There's a lot of hesitation, a lot of questions about 
you know, what direction are they going? It seems like they're a team that's kind of looking at the Rays and saying, okay, is that a model for us, at least for the short term here? Because I don't think they want to go through a complete rebuild that takes three seasons. Uh, but I think at the same time, um, you know, they've got to do something here to, uh, to be competitive in a division where, look, the Pirates aren't there. The Reds uh, appear to be doing something similar to the Cubs. If it's a card, if it's a two, if it's a two-team race, how do you not say, okay, well, let's make it a three-team race, and you you try to uh, you know win back your fan base and try to make up for the fact that you basically blew up a championship team. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, free agents are going to be very interesting for the Cubs to see what uh, what they do here. So um, guys, uh, have a gr- I guess we're not doing th- next week. Is is that right? I haven't heard anything from Frank about that. Frank, are we off next week? Well, what's the way for I'll that decision? <laughs> well, yeah, he he's well, having uh, trouble lining up, uh, uh, getting uh, phone calls through uh, on uh, for uh, guests. So, well, let's do let me go back this for one second, Roy, before you jump out. Uh, one would be the Padres. Everybody says the Padres are spending all this money. The Padres are spending all this money. They're making the trades, and look where they wound up at the end of the season. They weren't even in contention, not for first place against the Dodgers. They weren't even in contention for third place. I mean, it was a, a real struggle for them. And, Tommy, your Cleveland Indians don't look like they're going to spend any money this year. They're taking a no. back seat, too, I think. No, there's not the Indians anymore. It's glad glider is for that bridge going over Cuyahoga River in, in downtown Cleveland. So it's the, it's the Cleveland baseball team, like the Washington football team caught the Cleveland baseball team up there, so it's it. Roy? The Century Department has uh, just let us know that the Fat Thumbs is uh, screwed up again, so uh, Mr. Cummings is back. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, Roy, Roy, anyway, are you I'm, still I'm, on there? Yeah, well, I'm yeah go ahead. Oh, up, Roy, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just finishing up saying, uh, hey, w- whether we're on next week or not, everybody have a happy Thanksgiving. If we're not on next week, if we are, uh, we'll do it again. No, we're uh, not. Uh, we have plenty right. of football. Okay, and, there's uh, the answer. Hockey and we got the baseball to talk about. Okay. We, so we got a, have a we great got a little time off Roy. next week. And, Roy, have a great Thanksgiving. And everybody along the way that follows Roy week after week uh, and all the great stuff that he gives us all the time, Roy, you and the family have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. Thanks, Don. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Same to you. Thanks, Roy. Take care. Happy Thanksgiving. All right, Frank, what direction are we going to go now? Uh, We're just, uh, I'm trying to get somebody on. uh, The two others are just, uh, they bounced out on us, though. They're not answering their phones. Okay, we'll hold on for a few seconds, and we got a lot to talk about anyway, so (laughs) it doesn't make any difference. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Roger, let's go back to you for a second because. I saw the Flyer game last night, too, and uh, they're in the middle of the pack. They, they really haven't established themselves uh, quite yet. Uh, and as Roy said, very, very interesting uh, division because the competition is terrific. And Rangers just lost a, a key player for the season. And uh, so it looks like it's going to be a race toward a regular season up and down, whether the Devils can uh, come up and do something. Washington uh, came out of the gate uh, I'll tell you, it's interesting. Washington has a basketball team and a hockey team that are uh, right there at the top of the list, and they got a football team that can't get any further down. <laughs> That's right. 
Well, Tommy, uh, have you gotten to see the Flyers at all, Tommy? No, no, probably see them. They come in next week. Oh, you haven't watched them on TV, though? No, no, I haven't watched them on TV. Uh, but they... Oh, I was just wondering, uh, you know, because I could try to get a hold of uh, TL and we could uh, sure. uh, talk about the Flyers. He's there all the time. And, uh, I'll tell you, they've been on uh, TV quite a bit, Roger. I'm a little surprised because here in Sarasota, uh, as you know, the, the national games, you get to see them all, but uh, it seems like the Flyers have been on, I mean, I think I've seen at least five games so far. Yeah, well, I think I've seen them uh, at least that many too, Don, and, uh, be, you know, with the new uh, TV package with right. Turner, uh, it's it's changed everything. And uh, uh, have, you, have you seen uh, many other teams, Tommy, that you wanted to comment about? That you've well, seen basically, the lightning's looking good. They're, they're looking real good about that, and you can't, especially the Panthers with the start they've been having. So it's been unreal. The Panthers start. Well, they're strong. You're exactly right. And Carolina's, you know, coming. They got the, they got Jersey coming this weekend in Tampa. Then we got right after that Minnesota Wild. So we'll see what happens, what the team can do after that. You know. If they get two after that, but no, it's just uh, yeah, I could go, you know, like about the race. Congratulations goes out to Kevin Cash. That's two years in a row, manager of the year. So that tells you one thing: the peers in baseball know the job that Kevin Cash is doing down here, which is wonderful and great. Well, I think the oh, absolutely. The one thing that he's done uh, really stands out to me. And everybody did it this year. And, Roger, you talked about the World Series and the job that the Braves did coming down the stretch with relief pitching, guys pitching one inning, one inning. Kevin Cash really initiated that a couple of years ago when he didn't have enough starters. And he was the one that said, it's it's going to be a bullpen day, it's going to be a bullpen day, it's going to be a bullpen day. And now everybody's a bullpen day. Yeah, that's right. You got that right. It was a bullpen day, but no, it's just a, it's just the way that way the baseball's changed, you know, for Kevin Cash and what they're what they're doing right now, which is it's wonderful. I mean, how many how many how many players could you name on the Rays? I can name Raymond the mascot. That's about it. All the players that you know, <laughs> you know, all the players up there. Well, match. you know, talking about mascots, uh, the uh, came the article came out yesterday. That the Phillies settled with Harrison Erickson, yeah, so the that. original fanatic is back at Citizens Bank Park. Great wow. news! I didn't realize they had adjusted it quite that much. Uh, to be honest with you, Roger, I got the email too and uh, went back and looked at some of the pictures that they showed in the early days, and then of course the pictures of the last couple of years. And I knew when we talked to Dennis. Uh, well, three or four weeks ago, and he was one of the ones that initiated the the uh, uh, fanatic with the Philadelphia yeah, Phillies. Lehman, He's the one that yeah. pushed the buttons. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, I didn't realize that it changed it quite that much just watching it on TV. When you look at the pictures, uh, they really did. They, they, you know, they had to make adjustments to until uh, they could get this thing settled. It doesn't seem to me you'd have a, <laughs> a lawsuit over a fanatic, over a, uh, a fanatic, but that's what they did. Wow. Yeah, yeah. The snout was uh, cut uh, shorter and uh, constructed shorter, but uh, all's hell in fanatic land. That's the important thing. 
That's Because I honestly, and I'm not alone. I mean, uh, many uh, out-of-towners, non-Philadelphia area people, will tell you that they feel he's the best. That's the best uh, mascot in in baseball, maybe even in sports. Right, well, we talked to Kevin Mannion about it when uh, he first came up with the idea that Bill Giles and, and uh, the Phillies should, you know, really get into the mascot business. And it took him a little while to convince uh, the manager, including uh, the owner of the club. He didn't. He wasn't really in favor of going to a fanatic, uh, going to a, a mascot. So as he explained to us a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the suit and we talked about the problems that uh, – Every time when they have a meeting and they would have a, say, well, this, how about making this kind of a proposal about a mascot? And Ruley would say, uh, I don't know if that's something we want to really get into. But when they got <laughs> it, they wound up with the number one mascot in, in all of baseball. No question about it, Roger. Yeah, you know, it generates entirely. a lot of revenue. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah, how many, how many thousands they sell per game? I mean, I, I bought one for my father just because he liked the Fanatics so much. And he, he went to the games, and he, he never laughed so hard in his life at the, what the Fanatic used to do. And when the Fanatic came down here, you know, Clearwater, when the old Clearwater Phillies played at Jack Russell Park, the Fanatic was down for four games, and it was sold out because people wanted to see the Fanatic. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I'll tell you, he's, just, he's great. And when you think about it, there's only been two uh, Fanatics. And uh, David Raymond and Tom Bourgoin. Now you have some associates, you know, that fill in for personal appearances. Right, they go to McDonald's and that type of thing, but not necessarily yeah, at the stadium. Exactly. That's yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is I, that uh, I didn't realize uh, until I saw the email. I think you sent it to me that we're talking about how much money. I mean, did you did you even think that? You know, trying to get the rights for the fanatic back. We're going to—they were trying to go to billions of dollars. <laughs> no, no, I did not. And I think it's ridiculous because I think the Phillies were right in their thinking that they had bought the uh, the rights to it. Uh, Harris and Erickson developed it, but they, right. it was the Phillies' property, and and that's the way it should have been from day one. Okay, it's not when uh, a an advertising firm or a development firm. I mean, if you look at it, David Raymond now has a very successful business developing mascots. Now, right. when he develops a mascot, if the thing takes off and brings in a lot of revenue, is he in a position to go and sue the team? No, you have a contract. You went out, you developed it. That's it. Now mm-hmm. the the buyer uh, bought the rights to it, and end of discussion. So I was well, just shocked. I, I thought, that, Roger, uh, I thought they Harrison. went back, as, as Dennis explained to us, and I had heard prior to that, uh, you know, Bill did not want to, you know, sign a long-term deal with this thing. He wanted to see how it worked. Then he, had, then he went back and renegotiated and paid them a lot of money for the rights. So he did yeah, it twice. Exactly. I couldn't understand where they could come up with a lawsuit after he agreed to pay them the initial fee for developing it, then he agreed to pay another large sum of money. I don't know exactly what it was, but it was a large sum of money compared to what they had asked for in the beginning. And then they still came back with a suit. I, I, I didn't understand that. Don, I'm with you. I, don't, I do not understand it either. That's all I can say. Uh, no. You know, I just expressed my uh, sentiments about it. Tommy, what do you think? 
No, that's crazy about that because David Raymond, you know, he made that, he made the Phillies fanatic. He sold their rights to the Phillies. He has no right to to take the Phillies to court because he sold them the the rights of the of the, of the fanatic. But he, but he's the best uh, mascot in baseball, guys. He's no, I agree, I agree. Get back to baseball for a second, fellas. Uh, Syndergaard, did I I know there was they were supposed to make a a final uh, physical exam on him before he gets to 22 million instead of the 18, that the 18.5 that the Mets had offered. Uh, but I didn't see a conclusion on how he did with the physical. He had to pass that first, otherwise he would have had a retreat back to the Mets and gone for the 18.5. I, I did not hear or see anything this afternoon about that. Did anybody else? No, no, I did not see anything or hear anything about it. The uh, you know it's been quiet on the baseball front. Front uh, the uh, the Phillies uh, signed up one of their old players, um, uh, Howie. Uh, I know his last name. That uh, played for the Phillies for a short time, but had a long uh, baseball career, and uh, he's going to work uh, with the uh, uh, general manager now uh, with the uh, the Phillies. Uh, to, uh, I, you know, they're stressing uh, minor leagues and baseball development. And that's what they really need. And I'm, I'm glad that they're going in that direction. And I really think that's one of the areas that has made the, um, the Rays so successful mm-hmm. uh, year in and year out. That's right. No question. No question about that. Well, the, you know, there's certain clubs that are trying. There's, there's certain positions that are just overwhelming with talent. Right now, there are what five shortstops that could, uh, you know, are right up there at the top. You, when you're talking about uh, getting them as free agents, you're going back to the same thing that the Mets did last year, and that is, you know, you're talking about three hundred, three hundred twenty million, three hundred thirty million. I mean, I, I don't agree with it, but that's everybody seems to concede, the Boris included. That this is the way it's going to go. People are going to—they're going to pay this kind of money, and uh, so I, I don't know. But the, but the shortstop position, the first is the Yankees uh, are very high on the shortstop of the Astros, but they're also very high on the other. They're going to—they're going to get a shortstop one way or the other, but they're going to pay an awful lot of money, no question about it. To me, I—I I just think the, the money thing is just getting out of sight. Oh, it's ridiculous! Oh, it is. Guess you guess you started that stuff, guys. Kurt Flood. When he want to go with the Phillies, and he—that's who started a free agency. Charlie Charlie Finney with the old A's free agency right there. That's who started Alex. Now it's you know Scott Burroughs runs this thing for uh, the, about the ball players this and that. They could be out for a long while because Scott Burroughs is all for the money and all for the happy of the ball players, not the owner. So let's let's hope Cooler Heads will prevail from from that organ from that. Well, I, I I will say this: I'm really hopeful. And, and it is just hopeful that they're going to come to some type of an agreement before we get to the second of December, uh, at least or on the path to a settlement. Uh, I don't think that baseball right now, with as much trouble as they're having uh, across the country in terms of fan uh, appeal, I don't think they can afford to go. You know, and most of the General manager saying, "Well, it doesn't make a difference as long as we get, ever get everything settled before spring training." I, I don't agree with that. I think they got to get their ducks in a row way before spring training if they're going to be a, have a successful season in '22. Well, I agree, Don, because it's a matter of season tickets 
you know, you're going to take a, a hit there because people are going to be afraid to uh, put money out, uh, especially with the way inflation is going now. Uh, but I, and it's not only in baseball. I mean, I mentioned this, I think, last week. When did we ever see all these ads on every game, every NFL property on TV promoting single game tickets through right. their uh, partner? Uh, what is it? Ticket uh, Ticketmaster. Ticket Never. No. Ticket no. Tron. Yeah. Never right. saw that. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, uh, I heard this the other day uh, on the Mad Dog with Peter King. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on behind the scenes and, and the NFL and uh, Goodell has nobody to fault but him, uh, himself, I should say. And that's all about this, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the stuff with the Raiders, uh, you know, where Gruden was fired. Uh, but it's also about uh, Aaron Rodgers. There's so many issues now within the NFL uh, that uh, the, the owners uh, are having to face. Uh, one of the big ones is uh, is the Rams uh, with uh, Stan Kroenke. You know, so he he said, I'm going to take care of all the uh, legal uh, fees with the move to L.A., built the new uh, Palace SoFi right. Stadium. Right. Well, the thing is, there's a multi, multi-million dollar lawsuit from St. Louis. Right. Yeah. He never yeah. paid. And, and no, they never were paid. And now Kroenke said, I need help financially. Hey, wait a minute, pal. Uh, that was your deal. Uh, you took the team. You agreed to uh, uh, pay for the uh, legal fees. The other owners don't own it. You uh, have a obligation. That's you, pal. And how you about know, the I, people I, in St. Louis? Do you think he felt badly about the people in St. Louis when he hoisted that team out of there was going to do such no. a great job out of Los Angeles? He didn't care about those no. people. As Bush will no, he didn't care him. about them at all. Yeah, no. he only cared about himself. That's right. You know? Well, well, I'll tell you uh, what else. Uh, your your old team, the Browns, Tommy. Oh, you know, geez. going to Baltimore and the Colts. Whatever say went to uh, Indianapolis. You know, took the uh, Colts out under the cover of darkness. Well, that was that was terrible back then. The Browns they go stayed in Cleveland. That would have been the Bucks in Baltimore right now. Well, as I say that, well, I think I think your initial point, Roger, is correct. I think that uh, you know Roger Goodell has been able to scapegoat all these problems all these years. Now, for what ten, fifteen years, he's been the commissioner, and he's been able to somehow get get everything smoothed over before. But now. He's got so many problems confronting him, and certainly the Raiders uh, is going to be one of the big ones. Although, I, in all honesty, uh, you know, I, I I don't know what the grounds are. Uh, if the, if I never, I've never seen the emails. I've never seen any written about them. I've heard talked about what it was, but I've never seen any of the emails. Uh, but if you look at the other clubs, whether it's baseball or what. Uh, emails to girls, email pictures to girls, and they fire everybody right away. I mean, I don't see how Gruden can stand up and say, well, wait a minute, yeah, I did this five or six years ago, but that, that doesn't mean anything. I should, I should be okay. I shouldn't be, uh, I shouldn't be fired for that. 
Right. Well, well, here, here, here's the the uh, the issue that uh, that he, he could use as defense. That his emails had nothing to do with the investigation of what went on in the Washington football team's right. uh, uh, executive suite. Okay. So, and, and if the league knew about this back in June or July, whatever, long before the season started, why didn't they let the, that out then so that it didn't put Mark Davis and the Raiders in a predicament where they had to basically uh, get rid of the coach not only that, Roger, season. but why only release his mm-hmm. his email his, and his Texas? Nobody else. That's ex- he's the only one that's that they right. released any information on. On the investigation, and right. that's what the investigation is about is the Washington football team, and nothing right. has been released. No, no, correct, correct. And Peter Peter King was really adamant about the league, uh, and you know he's always been. Uh, a uh, pretty staunch. Uh, he's a he's wired. You know, uh, there's no doubt about it. Oh, he's, he's a front line reporter on the National Football League. It has been for years and years and years. He's one of the first. Exactly. You know, he, and, he knows. He came down on the league. I want to tell you, he came down on the league, and uh, I I think that there's going to be more and more uh, national media. Of course, the TV uh, station. Well, you know, the networks. They supply the uh, uh, the hardware, so to speak, the announcers and everything. But if you notice, everything is all under the control of the National Football League. Right. You know, the they get all, all the uh, the uh, uh, replays and mm-hmm. everything. That doesn't go to NBC or CBS or Fox right. or ESPN. That goes to the National Football League. So they got the best deal there is, let me tell you. But uh, yeah, I, I just getting back, getting back to about the single game tickets. I have never seen ads like they are now for single game tickets. Every well, game, we're sort of in a bad game. position here, Tom. You can remember the last ten years just like I can. That you know, not only not only the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you could go out there the day of the game and buy a ticket for ten dollars. I mean, there was nobody there. And, uh, you know, they would lose year after year after year. Not only that, but they didn't even have any, obviously, have any television because if you didn't have a certain percentage of tickets sold, they went back to the old the rules of the National Football League, right. and they couldn't televise the games. And uh, I haven't had an opportunity, to be honest with you. Now you, everybody talks about Tampa Bay. It's sold out. Yeah, it's sold out. They won a Super Bowl. And they've been right, right, right. there. And, and uh, you know, they got Brady and everybody else to try to do it again, whether they will or not. Who knows? But I haven't had a chance to really look at the stadiums around the country to see what the what the te- total attendance is compared to the buildings. Uh, and I really haven't seen anything written about it. And I, I know I watched one game, looked to me like the, I can't remember which one it was last weekend, when the whole end zone was really, you know, very sparsely uh, 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 occupied. So I don't know, but maybe you two guys have seen what's going on in Cleveland or what's going on somewhere else. The Giants and Jets, you can buy tickets for, like you said, Roger, you can buy Giant Jet tickets for a song right now. Well, and the Giants used to have a long waiting list just like the Eagles for season tickets. I can tell you that I, I was watching the Falcons like every game, and there's a lot, I would say at least 20 
uh, 30,000 empty seats there. Now it's a bigger stadium uh, than previously, but uh, the, uh, the, I mean, when you have the West coast, because it's uh, relatively new, you got this spectacular stadium where they're going to be having the uh, Super Bowl in February. And then uh, you look up the, at the 49ers, that's in a, a new stadium. Uh, so that can be the draw. Uh, but th- there's just uh, there's so much uh, going on uh, where I, I think the uh, the social uh, issues that have surfaced. And I think also it's that the the NFL, there's players that are still getting in a lot of trouble, you know, right. week in and week out. I mean, it just doesn't end. And uh, you don't see that in, in some of the other sports. Of course, nope. they've got the biggest rosters. But, uh, well, it was unfortunate I mean, last night, Coach K's grandson, I mean, and, and uh, one of the other key players. I was sorry to see that. I was sorry that the, uh, uh, you know, it, it, you, you don't usually see somebody from Duke uh, get themselves into a DWI, and they both both of them did. And uh, I, I really thought that when they were running that scroll be underneath the games last night, I thought to myself, boy, how would you like to be Coach Shea and, and something like that with your grandson would sort of just make you feel so badly. It's true. Well, look Shaping at Andy, Andy Reid, guys. Yeah, with his son. Yeah, yeah. Same thing. It's, a, it's the same thing. I mean, when you're in a spot like spot like, like that, you know, most of the NFL players, I mean, they, you know, till Sunday, till Wednesday, they're on their own. So, I mean, I used to call it the National Felon League. They beat up their wives and girlfriends, a drunken driving and that. So, I mean, you don't see that much in hockey right there. You don't see that in hockey. Sure, the boys might well. You know why, Tommy? Uh, First of all, they've grown up differently, number one. Number two is they play almost every other night. Okay? So they're busy. It's just like in baseball, you don't see it. Because they're playing almost every day, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and uh, listen, I can remember even back, uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago, Don, we all remember. Remember the Palladium in South Philly? Yeah, well, that's right. where I can remember being in there with my uh, neighbor one night after a game, and Dave Cash, Larry Boa, they all came in, but they'd stay, stand around, talk to you. You know, right. sign autographs, and it was different. I did want to get back to the stadium issue, Don, that you brought up. That was a great point. The I can remember, uh, this is 50 years ago now, hard to believe, but uh, when I was living in New Hampshire and uh, the Patriots were having trouble getting a stadium. They had been playing, what, Fenway Park, Boston right. University Stadium. Mm-hmm. And then Schaefer Beer uh, was the sponsor and they built this stadium, the old Schaefer Stadium. Uh, Billy Sullivan was the owner of the team, and it was five, six million dollars. Right. You talk about a basic stadium, and uh, you know it also. Roger, uh, have an RFK. You and I were there many times. I mean, that thing cost oh, yeah. nothing. I mean, compared yeah. to what we're talking about. Well, and the vet costs nothing compared to today. <laughs> you know, and. I can also remember this. Uh, they just had on on Jeopardy tonight. They had a question, 
It was at Wembley Stadium and JFK Stadium in Philadelphia in 80, and it was live aid. But I can remember back in the uh, mid to late 70s in the, with the World League, the Philadelphia Bell. That's Tommy, right, you yeah. were still in, in Philadelphia. Corporate. Yeah, and, and remember, the they would have 90,000 at JFK. Jack Kelly was one of the promoters of that. One of the, I, I don't think he put a lot of money into it, but he was a, a, a part owner. I don't know how much of it was he was in, but he was in for a little bit. Well, and, and you know the reason, and Frank, you remember this too, the reason that they uh, had 90000 100000 they were given free tickets out at Acme. So, <laughs> you know, if you got free tickets to a game, you went. <laughs> What's the same thing, Roger, down here with the old Tampa Bay Bandits, okay? You would, you would go to cash and carry and pick up a free coupon to see the Bandits get They had 60,000 people. How many people paid to see the band? It's nothing. They all, it's all comped. Well, Tommy, you go further back to that and further back to Rogers talking about, too. They still talk about it, especially in your old Cleveland days when the, the Cleveland Browns first came into the National Football League. They played a game at, at uh, the Missile Stadium in Philadelphia. And right. uh, Paul Brown still saying he never got paid. <laughs> they had so much. Had so many people there. I don't know whether they gave away with Acme tickets or what they gave away with, but <laughs> they had a heck of a lot of people there that uh, the Cleveland Browns didn't get their uh, their road money for. I know that. Oh boy. Well, nice. yeah, you know, it was great talking to uh, to Lou Scheinfeld last week about the uh, origin of the Flyers and uh, Ed Snyder and uh, two thirty South Fifteenth Caddy Quarter from. Uh, 15th and Locust, the old Eagles offices. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about uh, my buddy and I, Jim Hensel. Uh, we'd go down there and uh, Eddie Hogan, uh, you know what a great PR guy he was, Don. Right. I mean, right. you know, and and Jim Gallagher. And we'd oh, go in Jimmy there was and, the best. And how about, oh, how they, about when Harvey used to have those great. little lunches at the Sheridan on Monday at the, you know, I mean, uh, the little office, you walk in there, and Eddie Gottlieb and uh, one or two other guys, and uh, it was it was unbelievable. Now they got 14 assistant coaches and uh, 15 people in the PR department. It's unbelievable. Well, you know, Bob Papa one uh, night when he was on, we were talking about uh, not on. I, I heard him on uh, on Sirius XM. And he, a guy called in, and he was talking about when Papa used to do the Bill Parcells show. And I was thinking about you and Buddy, Don, at the Ribbit. And you take phone calls. The fans would come in. You got to talk to the coach, okay? And, you know, when you think about it, that's not that long ago. I mean, what, 20, uh, 20 years, 25, I guess, 30 years ago, I guess now. Uh, but 25, like I'd yesterday. say. 25. There you go. But, uh, you know, Buddy just loved that. I mean, we'd see him at the press conference. and uh, Oh, he ate that up. He loved it. And the people people at the the ribbon loved it, and the people on the phones loved it. I mean, uh, Buddy was like uh, king of the world when he was in Philadelphia. (laughs) Well, I can remember at one of the Super Bowls, uh, I ran into him, and I, uh, I got him on the phone with you at home. 
and and the two of you were reminiscing, and it was just absolutely. I wasn't in the conversation. It was just my cell phone, the conduit to you and Buddy. But uh, I'll never forget that last show when the caller asked the question, uh, "Hey, coach, I understand Randall can't get in his house." Uh, what do you mean he can't get in his house? He's got the front yards and end zone. <laughs> Yeah, I tell you, those were the days, boy. A lot of fun, a lot of fun, and uh, it, it's uh, you know, it's interesting to see it now. By the time you get through security and you go through all the, the nonsense that they have to do now, I don't mean I don't mean it's a negative to the league. They have to do it, but uh, boy, it's it's unfortunate when you go to a baseball game, a basketball game, football game. I mean, uh, it's just a uh, it, to me. Uh, it's a little tiring. I, I just I have a tough time with that. Well, you know, Angelo Cataldi was talking about it the other day. I think I, you know, I think the world of Angelo. I think he's one of the greatest, and uh, obviously his radio and his uh, writing career are uh, the top of the dial, so to speak. But he may uh, he said the other day. You know, he answered. Uh, he uh, has a, uh, a a section that was on uh, yesterday because. Uh, the Eagles uh, were coming back on Sunday night, so uh, Sirianni wasn't on until Tuesday. But, you know, everybody wanted him to ask a question straight out. And he said, I really can't do that. He said, because, you know, I, I do the best I can. But what he was saying is he's really controlled because the station has the rights to the Eagles and they want to keep the rights to the Eagles. So you're in a way you're you're being censored, even though if anybody would get around that it, it would be Angelo, he'll find a way. But uh, you know it's it, it's a very difficult situation because when you were interviewing uh, or you had Buddy on with the show, you know you, all you did was get calls, and if the guy asked a question, uh, it's going to be on the air. And I think that's what Bob Papa's uh, point was with Bill Parcells. You know, coaches don't take phone calls anymore from fans. Right, right. Well, I'll tell you, I'll bring another topic up because, uh, and not something that I knew about. Uh, I was uh, this weekend. I went out with a friend of mine and uh, his wife for dinner, and he brought me this article from uh, I don't know what the date was, but not too long ago. And he said, "I you ought to read this." It's in the Wall Street Journal. He said, "I know you don't read the Wall Street Journal." I said, "Yeah, I don't have any stocks. I don't need to read the Wall Street Journal." <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but and kiddingly, and, and, and it talked about uh, Vince Scully and the fact that mm-hmm. he's 92 years old now and the uh, progression of radio and television in baseball. And uh, the, the genesis of it is that uh, how much longer are we going to see uh, what we consider to be every day, every game on radio? Because, now, for instance, the A's didn't have any radio for the first half of last year, and they finally did make a deal for the second half of the year to get it back on radio. But a lot of the uh, now, without being able to travel, they've already eliminated the travel for most of the broadcasters. And how long are they going to? Because every game, so many games are on, and so many games are are uh, simulcast or, or uh, um, you know, on what do you call it? Uh, and and. What do you need? How much? How many local? What do you need in your local 
in your local market. Do we need a radio station to carry the Phillies or to carry anybody else across the country? How long is it going to last? And I, that's a big question. Wow. Well, I'll tell you, I, I think that uh, what, you, what you have to stream, think about Stream was the thing I was thinking of. Yeah, streaming. Oh, you're right. It's streaming it, and they're on cable or national TV. Right. I look at, at uh, the University of Georgia. And they have a uh, on their their network. They have a four hour pregame show, wow, and a two hour post game, and then another post game, and then they have one on Sunday mornings. Now, granted, I mean this is the number one team in the country in college football, but this has been going on for years. And uh, the Falcons, the Eagles have a, a big pregame, post game on WIP. And the Phillies, I think they they control on well, NBC too. They have a post game show on, uh, you know, NBC Philadelphia. Oh, on TV. Oh yeah, yeah. on TV too. Yeah. But what I'm thinking about is, uh, as far as radio goes, right. I I think there's there's still a demand because in many ways baseball is a really good uh, radio sport, whereas football is not as good on radio. Vince Kelly said the, it's still the number one listening sport of all on time. Radio. radio. Oh, absolutely. I agree with them. I agree with them. I really do. And, uh, you know, you look at uh, at some of the great teams uh, in New York. Uh, you know, they, they have uh, on CBS and on the, the fan, they have both of the teams. I mean, you can still get uh, the, the Reds on WLW on the 50,000 uh, Watt Station. It, for years, it was on WSB in right. Atlanta. The Falcon or the uh, the Braves, and now they're on uh, 680. The Fan, yeah. but they do a great job. Of uh, the signal isn't the best, but uh, they do a great job. But uh, and, and the the thing is, like Lou Scheinfeld was saying, and you know that as well as anybody, Don, about that they had to buy that third period on Sunday nights from CAU. Right. Okay. And then they had to buy the station, WIP, to get their games on full time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What's well, a mess? What down here is funny. They tell you a funny story down here. Well, the lighting was on 620 WDAE then. It's up about 10 years ago. And the director of broadcaster back then, I won't mention any names, he decided to put the lightning games on 970 WFLA. And that signal, once you leave the city of Tampa, you can't pick it up. Well, 620, you know, W, you know, 620, you heard that statewide. So, you know, that's the dumbness of this one director of broadcasting. What, you know, what he what he did 10 years ago. He had a strong signal. They wanted to drop that. They go to another station, the same thing on an umbrella. You can't pick that station farther north of Pasco County. Well, uh, Tommy, the, the Phillies did that. Roger, you'll remember well. Uh, the Phillies, for a period of time, went uh, went off WCAU, which was a clear channel 50,000-watt station, WPHL now, PHT, what is it? PHT, I think. But anyway, immaterial. Uh, and they, the Phillies went off and uh, two times. Once they went to KYW, and it, management of the Phillies, for whatever reason, didn't realize the importance of signal. 
Then they had to right. go out and buy all the. They had to go out to all the small stations, and buy time to put their games on, wow. because you couldn't hear it unless you were. If you got first, if you were on a KYW and you were in Trenton, you had a tough time getting the games. And uh, well, that's right. And then they went to PEN. That was worse. That was worse. And then, but the one thing with KYW, they lucked out because that was 1980 when the Phillies won their first World Series. Right. And the I will tell you what about it uh, because uh, at WHWH, for years and years we were on the uh, Phillies network. And, you know, they'd have the uh, barnstorming uh, dinner at the uh, Cedar Gardens uh, every year, you know. And, uh, of course, Johnny Morris was pro baseball and uh, had it. But then when they dropped it, when uh, CAU got it again, Johnny said to me, he said, it just doesn't pay us because CAU was such a strong station in the market. It doesn't pay us to carry the Phillies anymore. Yeah, and, but the, uh, the, uh, the, late, the thing that surprised me, Roger, was that the Philly management didn't realize that when they were, you know, making these deals to move the team from one station to another, you know, they just thought, oh, we're going to, you know, put it on the air, that's it. Well, it doesn't work yeah. that way. No. Not at no. all. Because you can listen to, uh, uh, what is it, 1180 or something in Rochester, and you can get uh, Rochester Red Wings. Uh, you know, games or right. or American Hockey League games. So well, you can listen, to the, you can listen to the Red Sox for years. You can listen to the Red. But right. I'll give you a better you example. Than that. Probably the best example, in maybe the history of radio. I don't see uh, I don't see many people writing about it. But I want to tell you, WHN, which was WMGM, and then went back to WHN. They were the home station for the Dodgers for years and years and years until they left in 57. And they became the first all-sports station in New York City with uh, WH uh, and and that signal. The original fan. That's right. And that station you couldn't hear anywhere. I mean, you had to really be a a dynamo. As soon as they moved to a 50,000-watt station, which is 66 WNBC, now, all of a sudden, you know, they got coverage. And that's when it really took the jump. They, it wasn't, I mean, not that they didn't have great talent and move up with even better talent as they went along. But the biggest thing was they moved from a station you couldn't hear to a station you could really hear. And that, that, that was the biggest kick in the butt they could have possibly gotten. Absolutely. And, and uh, Pete Franklin, uh, Tommy, you know Pete Franklin. You were probably around him a lot in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And he was on at uh, the afternoon, and and I I just saw that uh, the schmoozer, uh, they, Don, he just retired. Pete, uh, uh, Steve Summers is retired. I love the schmoozer. Yeah. Okay. But Lampley, I think Steve, Lampley was one of the original. Lampley was yeah. there, and Greg Gumble. Greg and Gumble, Greg, I yeah. Think, did the, when they first started off, but it wasn't yeah. the names or the talent of the people. It was the fact you couldn't hear the station. And uh, so when they made that jump and and uh, and uh, purchased WNBC uh, or 66 uh, and got the got the signal power, that's when they really became the sports station of the country. Mm-hmm. Well, I ju- I love Steve Summers. Uh, just his approach and the respect he has for callers and 
uh, Steve Summers here, you're there. Yeah. How are you, John from Queens? You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just really terrific. Is uh, Mike Simzak with us tonight or not? We haven't got any word on Simzak or Doug yet. We're, we're no. waiting waiting on Frank and see what happens and whether he could, uh, you know, I think your original thought about calling T, uh, Tommy. I, when, I tried to get, yeah, I tried to get him. It went oh, right could get him. I tried it twice. Yeah. Uh, Tommy, yeah, let yeah. me, let me, this, uh, the, uh, do you think, I mean, you're there all the time. Of course, Don's there now. Do you sense that the, uh, the bucks will turn it around or, uh, okay. You know, like Roy was saying, that uh, he, he thinks they may be going through uh, the motions, be, even with uh, with Brady there, where they thought oh, that we can show up and and uh, we're going to win. What do you think? I, I think they're going through the motions right now. They they surprised the whole National Football League by winning the Super Bowl last year, and well, it proved it Sunday. It proved it Sunday because Washington was a hungry oh, okay. team. Yes, Mike Schultz with us. Mike, uh, oh, okay. Mike's all set to go, and I uh, was just waiting for Tommy to finish his sentence there. But uh, right. Mike is ready to go. What tremendous upsets we've had over the last couple of weeks. Mike has wow. been with us, and of course, uh, Mike with with the Outback Bowl for and joins us every either every week or every couple of weeks to talk about the teams and the way things are going to roll into the Outback Bowl eventually. And uh, Mike. Uh, you you started uh, early in the football season saying this was going to be one of the most unusual football seasons of all college time. And this, this week when Michigan plays Michigan State, that's going to be one more weekend where somebody's going to be uh, sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, well, you know, the, you're right. I mean, it has been a bit of an unusual year. Um, <clears throat> I mean, you know, uh, the, the – uh, uh, a lot, you know, some you got teams like like Clemson, who's uh, you know people are now you know uh, glad that they're uh, is on their schedule, <laughs> you know, and uh, and things like that. And you got a lot of upsets this year, and teams sort of coming out of the woodwork a little bit. And we talked about that as far as you know the the transfer portal has sort of helped out some of these teams uh, get uh, you know elevate themselves a little quicker than than normal and. And all that, but uh, yeah, definitely every week uh, there's been some some interesting uh, upsets uh, around all the leagues, and and uh, it's you know down to the the wire now. We're we're coming down the home stretch here with the final two weeks of regular season. Uh, a lot of really big games, um, you know, not only in regards to the playoff race and so forth, but but just from the standpoint of of where teams are going to be able to, to go as far as bowl games this year. You know, uh, all these top 25 teams or so, you know, they're all looking to go to bowl games. And where what bowl games they have an opportunity to go to is really going to come down to these next two weeks uh, on how they finish the season. And there's a lot of really big games out there. You mentioned Ohio State um, and Michigan State uh, this week. Um, is a is a really big game and and uh, you know for both of those teams you know Ohio State's trying to stay in that top four you know for the, the possible playoff berth and Michigan State's trying to try and knock them off and get up in there you know so I think they're ranked seventh so that's a really big game and and there's a number of others like you said 
uh, many of the teams are playing games that are going to be, you know, very consequential in regards to uh, not only just how they finish the season in general, but what kind of bowl game that they'll have an opportunity to go to. The thieves have really surprised me, and we'll get Tommy and Roger in on this too, uh, has been Penn State. I mean, they've played a lot of big-time games, but they've lost them. And that's uh, very, yeah. very unusual for Penn State. I mean, they, they usually at least break even half and half if they're playing, uh, you know, some of the top five or top ten teams. But unfortunately, uh, it hasn't worked that way for them this year. Yeah, you know, they, they have. But, you know, like you said, I mean, other than the Illinois game, you know, which was, you know, and Illinois upset a couple teams. But, you know, the, you know the other games, you know, they were all against – you know, very good teams. And, oh, I mean, yeah. you know, Michigan just got them. They came back at the end and got them, um, you know, by a few points. Uh, you know, the, the Auburn game early in the year was was a huge game. And, and you know, that, you know, they, of course, they, um, you know, they, they did well there. But, you know, they're, they, they're, you know, I mean, you know, the Ohio State, I mean, Ohio State's, you know, a heck of a team. I mean, you know, so it's not other than the Illinois game. I, I think that's the only one you know, really has been that surprising to me because um, they've been in, in the other games and it's just, just uh, you know, their record somewhat reflects, you know, their schedule a little bit too. I mean, some of the teams, you know, don't have the schedule uh, that, that, that they have in the in the Big Ten. Some of the teams from the West, you know, not not really playing a lot of crossover games this year against, the against uh, you know, the, the top teams. So, um, you know they're they're a good team. I, I I think they're a better team than their record indicates. Um, they uh, they just um, like I said, it's you know they've had trouble on the on a couple of the the, the big games closing the, the door on them. But and they also had their quarterback banged up a couple of games as well. So and that and that's why I think you're starting to see too with a lot of other teams. You're seeing you know the injury factor starting to play into some of these teams and. Um, I mean, Auburn just lost, you know, uh, Patrick Nix for the rest of the season, um, and they still got to play Alabama. I think a lot of people were, were, you know, thinking that hey, they, you know, they could actually knock off Alabama once again, and and um, you know, and throw the uh, uh, the playoff picture into chaos. And but you know, uh, I, I, you know, obviously they got a pretty good backup too there, but you know, uh, you know, that doesn't help that they've lost their starting quarterback. So. Uh, there's, you know, like I said, a lot, a lot is going to happen in the next couple of weeks, and there's going to be some outcomes that you don't expect to happen as well. Roger? Well, they were, uh, Penn State was, what, number four, Mike, uh, early on the first couple of weeks of the uh, season. And uh, um, have you, uh, do you think that Georgia is the uh, the best team in the country from what you've seen? Well, you know, they certainly have been playing that way. Uh, you know, they, they, I definitely say they're one of the top two, uh, you know, it seems like they, they, you know, the thing about Georgia has just been, I think, first of all, they have a really, really good defense. Um, I mean, I think, uh, I, I, I think, uh, you know, last week was the first game where against the Tennessee where they, um, they gave up more than 13 points in a game. And uh, you know Tennessee's, you know, uh, you know Tennessee's really come along. I mean, they've they've got some some they can make some big offensive plays, and they have all year. Um, and so um, that wasn't totally surprising, but but uh, you know again their defense with Georgia is so good. And and the other part though too is that they've got you know pretty much every 
position um, pretty stacked. I mean, they've got multiple running backs that they can rotate in there who can get, you know, yards and break, you know, break, break big plays. Um, they've got some good solid receiving core. They've got, you know, literally two quarterbacks who could start, you know, just about anywhere in the country. Um, and uh, so, you know, when you have all those different things together, um, you know, then, then, you know, you know, and, and you protect the ball and, not turn the ball over and make, make too many, you know, penalties, you know, you're going to be, you know, in a position to win every game. And that's what they've been doing so far. So as they're, you know, they obviously you're going to, um, you know, uh, you know, the, the rubber will meet the road when they get into the playoff, of course, or in the SEC championship game, most likely against Alabama. But, uh, you know, they certainly have everything they need to, to win it all. Uh, it's just a matter of going out and executing, I think. Tommy? Mike, how are you doing this evening? Happy Thanksgiving from the show to your family and that. Thank you. Thank you. Is, how can how can people purchase the tickets and also purchase those special plans to be involved in the bowl activities for for this year? Well, thanks, uh, Tommy, uh, and happy Thanksgiving early for you too. Um, the Alpine Bowl, you, we, we have our we have our tickets on sale at Ticketmaster. Um, you can go. Uh, two Ticketmaster buy tickets right now. Uh, we also have some uh, premium ticket packages uh, through the Outback Bowl uh, directly that you can purchase, and that information is on our website at outbackbowl.com. Uh, our full schedule of events and activities, and uh, those premium packages also include invitations to some of our VIP events leading up to the game. Um, and of course, our, our entire schedule is on there for for you know all the events we have for the teams and the fans and everything through, during bowl week. So uh, a lot of good information there. But uh, yeah, tickets are definitely on sale, Ticketmaster, and uh, certainly encourage people to uh, get their tickets uh, early if they can. Um, you know, once of course we announce the teams, the tickets availability uh, starts going uh, much faster, and and so uh, it's always good to get them get them early and know that we're going to have a really good matchup between the SEC and Big Ten, and it's going to be a great way to kick off the year. I'll tell you, we talked earlier in the show about balance in the National Football League, how things are really balanced out. And uh, college football, I think by looking at the upsets week in and week out, uh, you know, you're in a situation <laughs> where, you know, you may really come up with a great combination on New Year's Day for the Outback Bowl because there are so many teams that are going to be in the mix when you decide to make your picks. It's going to be marvelous. Yeah, it's, it seems like it. I mean, we've been tracking it this year, and, of course, you, you really can't, uh, you know, pinpoint too much about who's going to be there at the end. But, right. you know, as the season has progressed, like you said, I mean, there's there's a lot of really good uh, good teams um, in, in the SEC and the Big Ten. Um, and we know we're going to get one of them, you know, from each league, and and uh, it's almost a can't miss for us. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna have some, I think, very good options of teams to choose from. Uh, there's some really exciting programs, some of which have not, um, you know, been up there recently. Um, we've mentioned Tennessee is on the seems to be on the comeback here, and and you you know, and Arkansas is you know has I think they've only been to one bowl game in the last five years, and they're going to go to a bowl game this year and they're, they're, you know, they, they, they're having a really good year. Um, on the big 10 side, you know, Purdue is, is, is a fun team to watch and they, and, you know, they could end up, you know, eight and four. Right. So, I mean, you know, so, so, 
Um, and of course, Wisconsin is 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 out there, and, and Iowa, and, and uh, you know, Michigan. Michigan is playing, you know, playing really well this year. So there's a lot of really, uh, a lot of really good programs out there this year um, that uh, you know that we know we're going to have a selection of some of those guys, and we're going to have some really good options. And I think it's going to be a hard decision to make in both both sides of the the field that, that as far as uh, who we're going to take from each league, because I think we're going to have uh, you know more than many more than one option, really good option to take. We're talking to Mike Schulte from the Outback Bowl, and every year we get a chance to all get together and go to the Outback Bowl. And Mike's always been great about uh, getting so involved in some of the things that are going on. And uh, Mike, I think uh, when you look at this year's, uh, your, the format for this year ha- hadn't changed, but the format beginning next year is going to change, if I remember correctly. And what does that look like? You talking about with the the Outback Bowl? Yeah. Oh, well, we, yeah. Next year, we actually will have uh, um, we have a little bit of a, a nuance in our Big Ten agreement starting next year. Or actually, it's already in place, but it doesn't go. It doesn't really affect this year. Right. Um, and the, the fact is that if in in, in uh, years where the the Orange Bowl does not host a semifinal playoff game, which they're doing this year, so it wouldn't apply to this year, but it will apply next year. Um, if the Big Ten team ends up going to the Orange Bowl, then we actually will take a ACC team or Notre Dame in our game, and wow. so that will well, that will introduce uh, uh, some teams that we haven't had in a while or maybe never had before um, in our game possibly, and and it just uh, it'll be it'll be a lot of fun to to bring in uh, you know possibly a you know a team that we haven't had before. Or, you know we had we had Clemson in our game uh, way way back is about 1990 I think it was back before we had all these conference tie-ins and we've had NC state in our game and Duke and, and so forth. But, um, it, it'll be uh, a lot of fun, uh, uh, if that, you know, takes place that, that, uh, we could bring in a, uh, a Clemson again, or, or, you know, a Virginia tech or, uh, a Notre Dame or somebody like that to play an SEC team in our game potentially next year or the following year. So, um, that'll, that'll be a lot of fun and, and there'll be, uh, uh, fun to follow the, the the season next year. Give us a lot more teams to look at, as, you know, the track throughout the year because the possibilities will be much much greater of the number of teams that we could potentially have in our game. Great, Roger. Well, I'll tell you what, Mike. Uh, when you get Notre Dame there, you'll you won't have any trouble selling tickets. You know, not that you have any <laughs> yeah. trouble now, but I'll tell yeah. you, the Irish will pack the Outback Bowl. No doubt about that. Well, it's, it, obviously, it'd be fun to have them. You know, they don't play in Florida very much, so uh, typically, so so that would uh, that would certainly be uh, um, a lot of fun if if they end up in our game against an SEC team. Um, you know, I'm sure they'd uh, their fans would be excited about playing an SEC team as well. Mike, it's interesting that uh, we should mention Notre Dame because they're sort of sliding underneath the wire. Uh, they keep winning and winning. They stay. I don't know what they are this week. What seven or eight, something like that, and. Uh, you know, the, the look at you look at their schedule going out. Uh, you know, they they can make some noise the last couple of weeks of the season. Yeah, they certainly could, and that you know, you're right. I mean, they're they're sort of flying under the radar a little bit here, right? Um, uh, you know, and yet you know they just keep winning. Um, you know, I I don't know if they've had the toughest schedule that as tough a schedule as they've had in some other years, but at the same time, um, you know they. 
you know, they have the schedule they have and, and they're winning games. I mean, they're, they're doing really well. So um, I, I know that, uh, you know, they lost to Cincinnati, I think it was earlier in the year, you know, and of course Cincinnati's undefeated, you know, so um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, where uh, Notre Dame lands and, you know, at the end of all this. Um, and of course, a lot of that again, depends on these last couple of weeks, not only what they do, but the te- the other teams around them do, you know, um, can somebody knock off Ohio state, you know, um, in the, you know, the, you know, can Michigan knock them off or, uh, or Michigan state, or can, you know, uh, you know, they somebody knock them off in the big 10 championship game and maybe make a spot, you know, for a Notre Dame to move up in, into the playoff or something. And, and, you know, same with the other, some of the other teams as well. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how the committee ranks, um, Notre Dame, you know, among the other teams, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, we, we talk about it every week and, you know, sort of like it's, it's a surprise, but, you know, every single week there's an upset somewhere. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes many, many upsets in a, in a weekend. And, well, of course, you know, the when big you get down the wire, Notre Dame, Mike, is that, uh, as Roger said a minute ago, uh, if you have them in any uh, any postseason bowl game, uh, they they'll sell the place out with no trouble at all. They they sell oh, yeah. tickets, so there's no they, you don't have to sell tickets for them. They sell tickets for you, and uh, right. that's always makes it more interesting. Yep, they'd be fun to have. But yeah, these next couple of weeks are going to be they're, they're such big games. Like I keep you know saying that, but these are such important games for all these teams. Uh, you know Notre Dame to Cincinnati to, you know, Tennessee to, you know, BYU, it doesn't matter. You know, every one of them these last two weeks is going to determine where they go in the postseason. And, and, uh, you know, and it's, and so these, these games mean as much as any games of the season, maybe even more because these are going to be the ones that are going to determine, you know, where these guys are, are playing in late December and early January. So, um, a lot can happen, and, and uh, it's going to be fun to sort of sit back and, and watch it unfold. Well, Mike, thank you so very, very much. Always a pleasure to talk about college football. Always a pleasure to talk a little bit about the Outback Bowl and what you guys uh, bring to uh, Tampa, Florida with the uh, entire week's proceedings. And uh, look forward to next week, or not next week, we're uh, all off for happy Thanksgiving to you and the family, as Tommy said. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks, and you'll really be on the front row as to where we're going to go. Yeah, sure will. In fact, we're we're uh, you know the uh, bowl selection Sunday is is December sixth or fifth this year rather, so uh, that's uh, that's only a couple weeks away. So we're we're getting real close. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Seems like the football season just started. Thank you very much, Mike and Frace. Really appreciate it. Doug Hamilton is waiting Mike. in the wings as always. He always brings up the rear and uh, gives yeah. a lot of information every uh, Wednesday night and. Uh, Doug, we want to hear what you have to say this week because uh, golf is still down in the lower yeah. circle. There's not too much going on golf-wise, but there's a lot going on football-wise, baseball-wise, basketball-wise in Washington. There was, yeah. they're, they're in the throes of a lot of very, very important games. Absolutely. I I, uh, I do hold the last spot uh, every Wednesday night. I guess every team needs a good closer, you know. Uh, that's, that's right. That's right. You're well, the man. That's, what Penn, that's what Penn State had been able to do all year. They had been right. able to close. I uh, yes, I patiently wait my turn in the bullpen. Um, 
you know. So yeah, um, gosh, there's there's so much going on. I, I would, um, yeah. First of all, I know that we're not on next Wednesday, and and uh, so a, a happy Thanksgiving to to everybody and their families. Thank you. Um, Thank you and you your know, family, Doug. You know, I, I would strongly encourage. I mean, look, the food is phenomenal on Thanksgiving. The hopefully the family time is phenomenal. The football hopefully will, you know, do its part as well. But I strongly encourage everybody just at some point in their day, just take a few minutes and reflect and actually think about what you, you really, truly are thankful for. I mean, that's right. you know, we have so much, you know, so many wonderful things going on in the world. I know that there's a lot of negative things as well, but, um, you know, everybody We're has thinking of a positive on Thanksgiving. Well, I mean, it's, you know, you're healthy, you're happy, you're, um, you know, whatever the case may be, um, you know, this will, be a special Thanksgiving uh, for me. I'm happy to have you know mom and dad uh, join the family for Thanksgiving this year, and um, they've meant they've meant so much uh, to me over the last several years. And and uh, what they've done for me is, um, you know, amazing. Uh, so I I really am looking forward to, to Thanksgiving this year, and um, you know, having them there and and um, you know, spending some time with them. So it's going to be super exciting. Um, you know, and um, it's good stuff. So that's that's kind of in a nutshell. Um, but uh, down to your point, I mean, we've got um, about the midway point here in the NFL. And, and um, you know, gosh, unfortunately, the Ravens laid an egg last Thursday losing to Miami, and that was unfortunate. I, I think I, I turned it off probably um, end of the third quarter. Um, it was still 6-3, and, and Miami was on their way to – you know, scoring it as it turns out, that was a field goal. But, but, um, gosh, they just looked really awful. They, they couldn't, they couldn't protect Lamar. They couldn't run the football. Um, they could, they couldn't block. They couldn't tackle. They gave up chunk plays. You know, it was just um, a complete lapse in in preparation, um, execution, and um, you know, I'm I'm not a big. We've talked about this. I'm not a big advocate for Thursday night games. I just think it's too short of a week, and and there's too many injuries and um, you know, on paper the Ravens should have gone down to Miami and waltzed through that one and and uh, and beat you know a what two and seven Dolphins team, but that didn't happen. And we've seen, as I heard you say earlier, we've seen so much parity in the NFL this year with you know different teams. Uh, you know, Jacksonville beating Buffalo, and you know uh, the Jets beating uh, Cincinnati, and you know the Lions tying Pittsburgh, and, and week in and week out we tend to be shocked by something that happens that shouldn't, uh, but it does. And I guess that's what makes it super fun to watch the NFL. And, you know, week to week, we don't know what's going to happen. Roger? Well, you know, you look at the way the Cowboys got the cream one week, and then they came back yeah. and uh, they creamed the team the next week. I mean, right. we talked about this earlier, Doug, and uh, mm-hmm. when you look at records, for instance, the Eagles – have they're four and six none of their mm-hmm. wins have come at home and right. but you you see this and then we were talking about i guess don brought up about the 49ers finally yep. winning a home game in over a year and yep. uh you know i think that just shows you the way the nfl is there's not a lot of there is for a couple of teams okay but i wouldn't yep. say with miami 
uh, there's a great uh, a difference uh, between them and uh, teams uh, in in a same category as them. Mm-hmm. The Jets are yeah. in phase of of rebuilding. Okay, yeah. I mean they've got a brand new quarterback. The, the Dolphins mm-hmm. don't, so it doesn't right. surprise me. And even the uh, the the experts were saying, watch. Oh, I'll tell you who it was. Charlie Weiss, the old coach. Mm-hmm. He said, yeah. you, you watch <clears throat> Miami. That game will be very close. Or it'll be yeah. a surprise, basically, mm-hmm. and it was a surprise. There you go. Well, and you know, you had uh, you know Tampa Bay, um, you know, lost losing, to, uh, yeah, Washington. You had um, yeah, you know, some I other games in there. That with, out. That, nobody could uh, have figured that one out. No, um, that's yeah. I mean, Tom Tom Brady just you know didn't have his stuff that day. I mean, you had he imploded you know, the other night. Well, you had the, the 49ers um, kind of racking it up on on uh, the Rams, and, and I know that um, you know I you know the, the Rams head coach uh, Sean McVay. I, I think he's I think he's a fabulous coach, um, you know. But Shanahan kind of has his number, and he dictated from the very start of that game uh, what he was going to do with running the football, and, and stayed true to his game plan, and kind of just wore them down and held on to the football, and and um, you know, I'm not a big Jimmy Garoppolo fan, but I mean, he made the right the right throws, and and um, you know, George Kittle is is an incredibly good tight end. And, um, that was that was a very dominant, you know, uh, performance by the 49ers there. And you know, look at the end of the day, you know, we we've all played sports. We've all you know whether you, you know you have a bad hole in golf or you have a bad right. couple holes or nine holes or whatever. I mean, you you lick your wounds and you figure out, you know, what what may you know, have caused that in some cases. I think you just crumple up the whole piece of paper and throw it away and say that just wasn't my day or, you know, whatever the case may be, and you go back to the drawing board. And, you know, for the Ravens, they're going to they're gonna go to, you know, Chicago and, and play a, another middling team that they probably should beat. Uh, with 10 days of preparation, I, I would like to think they could. Um, but I know, you know, we, we, we've talked about this, and on any given week, um you know, gosh, I mean, the the Ravens and, I mean, a lot of teams in the NFL have just faced, I mean, COVID is still an issue. Um, injuries are still an issue. Um, there's so many things that can determine, I mean, weather could be an issue at this point. You know, we're starting to get into that, mm-hmm. you know, seasonal aspect of it. Um, Especially with the Bears. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. we just don't know. Um, the hard part for me, though, was, was to watch the Ravens lose that football game um, almost in an effort like they didn't make any adjustments. I mean, to me, I, I only really know what I can see from watching football games or read or hear or what you guys know or whatever, you know, and, and it just didn't seem like the Ravens made too many um, adjustments. Um, the middle of the field was open for the predominant part of that game. Uh, the short and intermediate passes were available. Um, you know, they, they never really took any any downfield shots and really haven't you know, most of the season, um, their run game was fairly ineffective. I mean, to hold Lamar to under 50 yards rushing in a game is pretty significant. Uh, they, they couldn't handle the blitz. They, they couldn't pass protect. I mean, it was a total failure of game plan that was just, you know what, we're going to stick with this daggone game plan because I made it and it's going to work and it didn't. And there were no adjustments and it was, 
very disappointing and frustrating as a as a Ravens fan to watch that. Um, well, Harbaugh, you know, so. Harbaugh, I don't know whether you had a chance to see him on the uh, ESPN postgame show. They, uh, one thing I like about the ESPN postgame show, which they didn't do before, was they had both mm-hmm. the coaches on, uh, you know, in the press conference after the game, which yeah. uh, I never understood about the NFL channel and all the rest of them. They'd be, you know, bunch of, with a bunch of guys up there talking about the games and I never, never mm-hmm. had a coach on. I, I never understood it. <laughs> Makes no anyway, sense. Right. He, uh, he talked, I mean, he was really straightforward. I mean, with the press about, mm-hmm. you know, how, how poorly his team executed and how poorly he yeah. executed. I sure. mean, he was very, very straightforward and very honest about, Hey, you know, this is us. This is not, this is not right. our team. Right. Well, I think that he was shocked. Looking at him on the sidelines, Doug, I think that John Harbaugh was shocked about uh, – go ahead. He he was openly frustrated, um, you know, with the performance and execution of his team. And, um, gosh, I'm I'm, I'm sure that there were some rear ends, too, um, you know, at, uh, you know, the meeting on whether it was Friday or whatever they had it. and you know the the film sessions. I'm sure were were fairly unpleasant for for a lot of the guys that underperformed. I know they um, they cut ties with Le'Veon Bell. Um, he just you know that that was that was a, a wish that he was going to be able to um, you know fill a role on their team, whether it would be a feature back or third down back or whatever. But um, he didn't you know, do anything. Obviously, no, I mean he was averaging two or whatever yards a carry. I mean you know it just. Um, I mean, the best running back the Ravens have is Lamar Jackson. So, I mean, let's That's face right. it. I mean, they, you know, um, try to do what they can to get keep the ball in his hands and distribute it as such. Um, but you know, it's you know Murray and and uh, the rookie uh, rookie they have Tyson Williams, I think, and and um, Devontae Freeman. I mean, they're they're serviceable. But I mean, look, I, I I'm a realist. Um, I love the Ravens. I love watching them play. I love watching them win. Uh, especially if it's against Pittsburgh, but I mean, unless unless they catch fire, I mean, they're they're not the kind of team that could win a Super Bowl. I just think that they have uh, too many holes. But at the end of the day, the the whole AFC is is. I mean, look, the, if Tennessee is the best the AFC has to offer, I, I think they're very beatable, especially without you know Henry as their running back. I mean, they're if you're going to put the ball in, in Ryan Tannehill's hands to go win me a Super Bowl, I'll take that bet. I mean, um, I think the NFC is the more dominant. Um, they, they have three or four uh, teams that, that could could be overall number one seeds. Um, so I think that they're a little scarier um, in terms of um, how strong they are. Um, but, you know, I don't know that, you know, we, we oscillate from week to week talking about the AFC and who's the best team. We went from Cincinnati to Baltimore to, you know, Tennessee to Kansas City now back in the mix and, and all these different things. So, I mean, Whoever, it's like it's like in hockey. Whoever has the hottest goaltender wins, you know. So let's let's see who the hottest quarterback is. Another big weekend well, for Kansas City this weekend too. And uh, t- Tommy, go ahead. It's a, it's a big week this week, so I mean, it's a yeah. big week right now. Doug, tip of the week right now for golfers. Uh, this is probably their last maybe good uh, couple of days up north up there. What, what do you have for tip for the week for people coming down to Tampa to try to play golf? Yeah, um, you know we we've lost um, a, a good amount of our members to uh, to their Florida residents, and um, you know hopefully they get a chance to go down and continue playing some golf and experience um, you know warm weather and, and good and good conditions. Um, you know I, I think 
you know, from an overall tip standpoint, you know, I, I hate to say it, it's pretty basic, but just, you know, let's have a little fun. I mean, o- over the over the years, um, you know, I, I can certainly appreciate people wanting to be competitive and, and certainly with themselves be competitive and work on their games and such. But, you know, there's, you know, some shoulder months that I think it's super important to just go out and have fun, whether it's, you know, playing the game for exercise and, and going for a walk or, um you know, playing with your buddies and, and not necessarily worrying about your score. Or, I mean, we up here in, in the Northeast, I mean, we, we go play one club. You, you get one club and two golf balls and, and two tees, and you play three, four, five holes, and, you know, uh, you just create shots, and, and, and you just have – I'd take an eight iron and, and have a good time and, and um, you know, try to make a par or both, you know. Right. So, have fun, that's it. <laughs> Roger? Well, Doug, uh, you know, just talking about the NFC, uh, the uh, Eagles are starting to uh, play a different type of game, and that's the running yeah. game. And uh, it's changed everything. Uh, the coaches have uh, the defensive coordinator, who everybody wanted to run out of town, and rightly mm-hmm. so. Uh, has right. changed his scheme, and uh, uh, Sirianni uh, has gone to the running game. And uh, if you yeah. look at the schedule, the the Eagles could very possibly be the NFL uh, East uh, champion at the end of the year, and that's hard to believe. Yeah. You know that um, obviously their their biggest competitor is going to be the Dallas Cowboys, but the Eagles are in a precarious situation. I mean, it's what well, you're right. The Cowboys are going to win it. Absolutely. It's very yeah. difficult. You know, as you know, it's very difficult to play in Philadelphia for one, but I mean, they, they have a tremendous decision to make to think is Jalen hurts my actual franchise quarterback. And can we win with him? You know, they're kind of in the middle of this. They were going to be sellers at the trade deadline yet. No one was going to offer. Hey, Doug, hey, Doug, hang on for that second. up against the clock again. Uh, but uh, gentlemen, great job again from from me and my family to you and your family. Happy, happy Thanksgiving to our listeners out there. Be safe. Don't drink and drive, and have a happy Thanksgiving. Same to you, you Tommy, Tommy Frank. Frank. Good to be with you family. again, and we'll do yeah. it again in a couple of weeks. Great Thanksgiving yes, for you and the family. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. It. Thanks, everybody. God bless. Be safe. Yes. Take care. Frank, another great job again for my family or family. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you another week. Thank you. God bless. Ladies and gentlemen, further brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces, men and women of the police and fire services, and men and women on the first line of defense in the COVID, the doctors and nurses, especially those who clean the hospitals. This program is dedicated to those who lost their lives while on the duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Gasowitz, <clears throat> Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Henry, Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman uh, Charlie Condon, Charlotte Springs Police Department, Lieutenant uh, Juice Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia, Fire, Philadelphia Police Department, Sergeant Chris Lake, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman Deputy or not for President Lincoln PD. Uh, Lieutenant Joe Zerba, Newcastle County Police. Patrol Deputy Josh Myers, Knoxville County Sheriff's Department. Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department. Captain Chris Leach, Philadelphia Fire Department. 
Lieutenant Arthur Cope, going to fire department. Lieutenant uh, Joe Bullock, I'm sorry, Lieutenant uh, Jerry Pike is going to fire department. Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Island Patrol. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Island Patrol. Chief Al Ogle, going to Kings Police Department. Chief Jimmy Ford, going to fire department. My brothers and sisters, I'll you maybe 10 7 at this point in time, sometime we'll be 10 10 at the table there. Until that time, and it rises up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May it rain so softly on your feet, and the sunshine light in your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families always in the hand of his hands. Good night. God bless and have a great Thanksgiving. Shem Alekma Yilama Shem Alekma
County Dispatch to 1999. County Dispatch to 1999. All units be advised, 1999 is responded to his last emergency. May God rest his soul. Thank you. 